Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Imaginal Space Podcast. I'm your host, Katherine Perry. The Imaginal Space Podcast is dedicated to knowing, healing, and exploring the aura. This podcast is a part of a multidimensional project designed to facilitate a deeper connection to yourself, the personal aura, love, the shared aura, and our universal family, the collective aura. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this very special dream aura healing episode. Today, I will be taking a look at the aura of a dream. And to be honest, I love looking at dreams. It's one of my favorite things to analyze because there are so many different layers. There's the linear layer of the story. There is the energetic layer of the aura, which is something that we will be taking a look at today. And then there are so many layers even within the energetic layer. You know, there's the colors, there's the archetypes, there's all of the wisdom and the medicine, all of those layers and how they kind of interact and connect with each other. We are going to be taking a look at that today. And what I find so interesting about dreams in general is that, yes, um, I had this dream and this dream is very unique and personal to me, but it's also simultaneously not. You know, I found that the kind of the common energy or the medicine or the wisdom or the intelligence of the dream that is coming through for me um, and what I might need in that moment is also applicable to anyone and everyone else. You know, today's dream is going to be centered around growth. And actually, I believe the next two dreams that I record are also going to be centered around growth. And you know what? Growth is for everyone. Sure, it came to me in this very specific container, you know, because dreams can be kind of wacky. You know, they can be kind of discombobulated. Um, This dream had a lot of characters that meant something to me, but that can all be, it's very interesting how very personal medicine and very personal messages, you know, hidden within dreams are also simultaneously impersonal. And that's what we are going to be taking a look at today. So I already mentioned that this dream is about growth and the process of kind of like outgrowing. I feel like I'm going to be using that word quite a bit um, during this episode. But before we get started, the way I kind of like to open every single episode is by taking a couple of deep breaths. And then in this space, you can set up the space for yourself. So what does that mean? So for me, I like to call in my spirit family to kind of guide the wisdom and shape the course of the episode and just say, you know, I'm opening up the floor to you guys. So whatever it is that you want to share, please come through, please share, um, you know, please guide me in this podcast episode, you know, that kind of thing, you know, Um, and it can depend. Sometimes it depends. Most of the time it is my spirit family. Sometimes I like to invite in my guides. Sometimes I just like to take a moment to get a bit quiet, too. Um, sometimes I say like a mini prayer. It really just depends on what I'm feeling in the moment. Um, but you can do any of those things. You know, you can call in your guides. You can call in, you know, whatever it is that you want to. Um, you can set the intention. I've already kind of done that for myself. Um, but what's also so beautiful is that everything is such a huge, infinite dimensional container where if you, let's say, you set the intention where you want to learn something about yourself today. And I set the intention, you know what, I want to learn something specific about a specific person that I'm thinking of. The wisdom, the archetypal wisdom is a big enough container to answer both of our questions, you know? So, or if I have something that I'm like, you know what, 
I have a question that really needs answering or I have something I need more guidance on, you can set that intention. And as long as you set the intention, it's most likely that the intention will be answered um, in some way, shape or form. You just kind of have to be open because it might not be what you expect in the beginning. You know, it took a couple of Usually when I have a dream, I kind of know, I mean, I knew what this one meant, but when I look at the aura, I can kind of just understand where it's going and where it's moving. But this one I took a couple of days and it turns out it's because the two dreams following it, they kind of belong in like a little collection or group together. And all of them kind of bounced off each other in a special way, just in terms of meaning, wisdom, et cetera. But all of that will be revealed a little bit later. So for now, I'm going to take a couple of deep breaths and then we will dive into the dream and take a deeper look into the theme of growth. Okay, perfect. So I'm going to tell you about the very basic linear story of the dream. And if different symbols pop up later, they pop up. Um, But you'll, you'll understand in a minute. And so once I give you the basic outline of, you know, what was happening and the basic feeling, we're going to look at the aura. So in this dream... I was sitting at a round table, and believe it or not, I found out that was important later. Um, I was sitting at a round table with all of my, like, childhood friends. You know, all the friends I knew in primary school. So um, that's mostly, like, middle school and high school. And so I was sitting at this table with them. Um, Everybody was talking about their lives um, after high school, and we were just eating. And then I just got this feeling... I don't belong here. So that's basically all that you need to know. I was like a little bit uncomfortable, but I was like, I just don't belong here. Um, so now let's get started. So a little bit of background. Um, it has been rather, and this just popped up in my head. It has been rather interesting being back in my hometown because actually um, the pandemic did bring back like basically a majority of my closest friends all back to the same place. And it has been very interesting because we haven't, I haven't been able to spend time with all of my childhood friends, you know, in an appreciable, like, um, like, okay, when I was, um, even in school, I would come back, um, to my hometown and maybe see them once or twice. And I certainly didn't get a chance to see everybody. You know, there were years, I'm thinking of two people in particular where I wouldn't even see them, I would just miss them because I was rarely ever home. You know, I was always, you know, either working during somewhere, you know, somewhere else, you know, long story short, never came home. And so there were particular friends that I would just not see for a couple of years at a time. And then we would come back and it was like, you know, um, I feel like when you make those relationships, sometimes in primary school, you can easily come back and it's like, you can pick up where you left off, you know, um, even though a lot of, a lot has changed. Um, Oh, yeah, that is interesting. Even though a lot may have changed in your life, um, if you don't so if you don't talk to that person, the relationship kind of doesn't have a chance to evolve, which is actually very interesting that you can, you know, have so much personal growth and personal change. And then 
if you come back, so if I'm like, let's just say I'm doing whatever I'm doing for like two years, you know, I'm not in my hometown, I'm like living my life, blah, blah, blah. And I come back and I meet up with one of my good friends and, you know, we can kind of just pick up where we left off um, and kind of not miss a beat, you know? And it's very, and you can tell, you can tell when people change when you haven't seen them in a long time. You might not know how because you weren't really there for it, you know, um, because you don't play the same role as you did in their life when like maybe you went to primary school together. Um, so you can tell that they've changed, but maybe you just don't know how. So that's usually what would happen is I would, we would all go away, um, <laughs> go away. Yeah. Um, come back, you know, for the holidays or something, see each other. And here's what I also just received, you know, and I was wondering about this because you would think that if, you know, you go away for, I guess, I mean, I don't know if two years is enough time, but two years maybe at a time without seeing someone and then you come back and you still get along well. I was thinking, hmm, how much did you really change? But here's the thing. I feel like anybody can, you know, basically hang out with anybody for like a couple of hours. And that's usually what would happen. I would meet up with a friend, you know, maybe during um, Christmas break or for uh, during the summer for a couple of hours and our schedules would be so mismatched that um, that's kind of all the time we would have. And so a couple of hours is not enough to shift a relationship. So even though we were all growing and changing, our relationships with one another, they weren't changing because we would all every because what can change, you know, what can evolve if you only meet each other in the middle for a couple of hours you know, every couple of years or even every year or maybe, okay. Or let's even say, I would say maximum. I would see my really good friend, um, like a couple of days out of the year total. That's all the time that we would have. So there was no time for our relationship to really catch up to how much we had grown, um, in our individual respective lives. So, um, that's how it used to be. But then during the pandemic, especially, you know, when things started to open up and, you know, you could, you know, go see a friend for a socially distanced walk or you could go, you know, um, experience outdoor dining. I got to spend a lot more time with, you know, my friends from like primary school, the ones that I have known for such a long time and just see how much we have changed and how we might have possibly even outgrown each other. And that is kind of what this dream was about. Because remember, the original setting of the dream was I'm sitting at this table, we're all kind of eating, we're all kind of chatting, we're all just, you know, kind of like talking. And then I'm just like, I just feel I just feel uncomfortable. You know, I just I feel like I don't necessarily belong. And like I said earlier, it's and I, this is why I love paying attention to dreams because sometimes you're unconscious, like your unconscious knows so much, you know, there's so much wisdom, so much intelligence within your unconscious that you may or may not be paying attention to, um, in your waking life. And I had this suspicion for a couple of weeks and I actually got a feeling even a year ago, I was like, you know, I feel like we might be too different for one another, but I couldn't really tell because we hadn't spent enough time together. You know, we hadn't spent enough time together to know like, oh, wait a minute, we're actually really different here. Do we still mix? And it's kind of also, I would say that these three dreams, 
yes, they are about the unconscious, but they're also about like habits and patterns, you know? Like, for example, it would be a habit for me to come, you know, back here. Like anytime I came back to visit like my parents and my family, it would be like a habit to be like, oh, what is everybody up to? Like, let me go say hi and kind of like do the rounds. And like, I was very happy to do it. I was so happy to be able to see my friends, see where everybody is, you know, see what everybody's up to. What's what is everybody doing? You know, Um. so there's going to I feel like that's like a theme, too. But let's get to the archetypes. So the first one that we have is the prayer and the prayer is, so the the prayer is a part of the violet family. The violet family is all about channeling and just kind of receiving. It's kind of like receiving your own spirit. You know, the prayer in particular um, is focused around our relationship with love, our relationship with unconditional love, um, creation, God, et cetera, the universe, the mystery um, and developing our own relationship with that greater force that is outside ourselves. So that's like our higher self. It's literally whatever you want to call it, you know? Um, that's the prayer. And I find it interesting that that was the first card that came up um, be- along with so many of these other cards because a lot of them have to do with surrender in a lot of different ways Um, There's two more cards in here. There's the ring and Kairos, which we are going to get to. um, But just kind of give you some more context. Those two in particular are about time and timing. And so there's a lot about surrendering to, you know, the grand timing of things that may or that you may or may not be aware of. So the as soon as I saw the prayer, I immediately knew. And this is, again, this is where, like, everything kind of, like, came together quite quickly. Um, The prayer just reminds you that there is a much larger picture beyond the one that you can possibly even perceive, you know? So, um, from, like, or at least from, like, an ego space. And so here's the thing with the prayer. The prayer is not just about, you know, the simple act of, like, I guess, bowing your head and, like, Um, saying a couple of words and communicating to God in that way. Um, By the way, the prayer can look like that to you if that's what you want. You know, sometimes I do do that. You know, Um, I did. I think I did like a whole podcast episode like way back season one about how there are so many different ways to access the energy of the prayer that might not like have anything to do with what you think it looks like. You know, the prayer is a very expansive archetype. You know, it tells us that There are so many ways to communicate and to connect with God. It's not even funny, you know, beyond just um, what we might perceive is the there's not one way to pray. There is not one way to communicate with God. There's not one way to connect with God. There's not one way to um, develop a relationship with God. Um, There are so many ways to do that. But so that's one aspect of the prayer. But the other aspect of the prayer that seems to be coming through um, right now in this context is it's it's a state of being whenever you're more detached from your ego. And the ego is not a bad thing. You know, we all need it. We all need it. I need it to record this podcast. You need it to listen to this podcast. I need it to um, go cook my lunch. You know, it's I need it to interact with my friends. I need it for everything. Um, but this the prayer is one of those 
take a step back and if you possibly can try and see the larger picture from a quantum perspective and understand that you are not literally you are just not at the center of this universe you know sure we and we get so used to that right you know we're always operating um for from our own perspective right so i'm recording this now i'm operating from my own perspective you know when i go cook my lunch later i'm still operating from my own perspective you know when i see my family and i'm talking to them you know i'm tapped into i'm tuned into my own perspective and what the prayer does, what Violet especially does, is remind you that you're just, you're not the only one here. And you're not the, in the way that we all kind of think that we are the subject of our own movie, we're not. You know, because there's uh, billions of other people out there um, that are also playing a part. And, you know, I, and you know what, I heard this once and I thought it was so interesting because it really changed the way I saw things. In the same way that I think I'm the subject of my own movie and like my mother's in it, you know, my partner's in it, my friends are in my movie, I also play a role in their movies. So that's another way to, you know, kind of understand it is that sure, you know, on one hand, I am the subject of my own movie, I'm the main character, and then there are all these other characters, you know, coming in and out of these scenes, you know, and I'm always interacting with them. However, I am also a character within somebody else's movie. You know, so if anything, the prayer is balancing, you know, both of those. You know, if you want to understand that you are the subject of your own movie, that's great. But then just realize that on the flip side, you are, you know, within somebody else's movie as well. So that's number one. That's the first um, kind of memory that I associate with the prayer. And then the other one was also a very interesting thing I heard about partnership in general and just even relationships. It doesn't even have to be like romantic relationships, although that was the original context. Um, because I feel like there's so much conversation about, okay, let go of what doesn't serve you, you know, or I guess from my perspective, you know, making sure that everything in my life serves me, you know, what is like in my highest and best, et cetera, et cetera. And it's all about me, 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 you know? And the prayer kind of says, you know, forget that, you know, it's not just about what serves you. It's not just about what's in your highest and best. It's also about other people, you know, what's best for them, you know, in the grand scheme of things from like the very, um, from the universal larger picture, from a cosmic perspective, it's not just about what's serving you. It's about what's also serving other people, you know? And so that's the channeled wisdom of the prayer in this context. So what did I say that this podcast was about? It was about um, outgrowing and just growth in general. Because originally, um, whenever I title these dreams in my journal, they're very silly like names. I, I literally called this one the outgrowing dream. Um, just to, because usually there's like one word or one feeling that encompasses, you know, the entire feel of the dream. And this one, I was like, you know what? I think this one is about me outgrowing, you know, which is, by the way, very, very normal. It's just I never put so much thought into it. Um, but me but me outgrowing, you know, certain friends, um, certain aspects of my life, which I don't think I would have realized if I didn't, you know, have the opportunity to come home, you know? So that's what this is largely about, just in case, you know you weren't sure, but, um, yes, outgrowing. And so, but here's the thing. Again, we think of things in such a 
kind of like a self-centered way and the prayer doesn't have room for that. So what within the context of the prayer, if I'm thinking, okay, I feel like I'm outgrowing certain aspects of my life, the prayer asks you to consider, well, they're probably also outgrowing you too. You know, if this is like a genuine, and this is where you have to kind of pay attention and have some discernment and surprise, surprise, we have the judge. So the judge is all about discernment and the judge and the prayer, especially together, it's like channeled discernment, you know, I'm going to get to that in like a second. Um, but where was I? Yes. So if I'm saying on one hand, you know, I, and I really feel it, you know, and again, this is where dreams are really helpful because they will reveal to us what we might not have really paid attention to otherwise, you know, anything that's ever appeared in a dream, especially recurring ones, recurring ones are very interesting. I've only had this dream once so far. So, um, it's a little bit different. Um, there are a lot of very powerful standalone dreams that I only have like once ever, um, that really stick out to me. And then this is one of them. But anyway, so if I'm really feeling and I'm genuinely feeling, you know, and I just know, you know, um, I just know I'm outgrowing certain aspects of my life. Chances are, if I really feel that, you know, like on a soul level, you know, in a very strong channeled, you know, connected, intuitive way, other people are probably feeling that too, you know? And so that's a part of the judge's medicine, I guess, in like a very interesting way is that, you know, the judge is all about discernment and, you know, how and making decisions and, you know, how is it that you want to move forward and the judge and the prayer together in a pair is a lot about, you know, making decisions from a channeled place, having discernment from a channeled place saying, okay, if you feel like you're outgrowing certain aspects of your life, you know, then make decisions act accordingly from that channeled place you know, make decisions, have discernment from a place of knowing, you know, it's not just about me, it's about them too. You know, if we're going to talk about growth, it's not just about my growth, it's about theirs too. And here's the thing, you, we only have like such a partial view of things, you know, depending on what dimensions we choose to tap into. I may not know exactly why, even for myself, I might not know exactly why you know, releasing certain aspects or people from my life, I might not know how or why that might um, serve me in some sort of way, but then I really might not know why, you know, doing that, because again, everything's a relationship and relationships, friendships, romantic relationships, familial ones, it's not just about you. And sometimes I think we forget that. Relationships, it's about both people and God too. It's about all three, you know? Um... So, but it's, it's really, really just not about you, um, all the time. And that's like a big message of this dream in general. So we can actually flip over. So we're going to go to the next pair and the next archetype is the shadow. And so this archetype, um, where it is in the aura, this, so basically what it's saying is this dream is teaching me a lot about how you interact with shadows. And I thought this was really interesting. So the shadow archetype. So every single archetype has a light and a shadow expression. So for example, the prayer, 
the prayer in this context, when it's in its lightest expression, um, I'm thinking of someone who is really, you know, connected, you know, really knows how to surrender to the creative consciousness within themselves, um, is asking to be of service. Again, the prayer is when you take yourself out of just moving into a greater perspective. You know, it's not all about you. And so the shadow, the shadow of the prayer is kind of when it is all about you, you know? Um, so has light and shadow uh, potential. But when the shadow archetype specifically comes through, it's calling you to just pay attention to how you interact with your shadows in general. You know, we all have shadows. This is not like, this is nothing new. It's not news to anybody. Um, and they're beautiful. You know, the shadow is opal. It's opal essence. It's rainbow in the aura. Um, and the reason I love the shadow so much is because Every single time we integrate a shadow and we completely own a shadow, we become, we're like one step closer to feeling more connected to our cosmic family, you know? And I found that so much, um, especially, you know, it can be easily seen when we disregard our shadows. So if we're like, um, if we have like a part of us that we don't like so much, it separates us further from the collective because again, we're all connected through the shadow. We all have our shadows. Um, some shadows may or may not be the same as other people's. And But the more we can accept those shadowy aspects of ourselves, the more we are willing to accept other people. And also the more we are willing to realize that, oh, wait a minute, we're not so different from one another, you know? Um, because again, if you don't take a look at them and you don't see them, you know, for what they are and the medicine that they have to bring you. So if you're like, um, let's say, what's like a good shadow, a uh, liar, you know, who likes being called like a liar, you know, no one. Okay. So that could be somebody's shadow. So, um, for instance, like, let's just say, let's just say that's my shadow. My shadow is, um, liar or something like that. If I deny it, if I don't take a look at it, if I, you know, don't take a look at, okay, maybe where have I not just been honest, you know, where have I not been honest with myself and if I just reject it, reject it, reject it, and I say, oh, that part of me is so horrible, it's so unlovable, etc. Anytime I see somebody being dishonest um, around me, I don't have love and I don't have compassion for them because I didn't do it for myself first. You know what I mean? So if I'm like, so if I'm just like a really dishonest person, right? Um I have, I just don't have an honest bone in my body and I hate that about myself. You know, I just, I don't even want to take a look at it. And that's like the, um, that's the shadow of the shadow is continually, um, rejecting and suppressing aspects of ourselves, unconscious aspects of ourselves that really need a deeper look. Um, and the light expression of the shadow is giving them a voice, you know, and shedding some light on them so you can take a look and so that you can love them. That's the light expression of the shadow. So if I'm like, you know, hating like the dishonest and that's where we're all connected, because if I hate a certain aspect of myself and I reject it, I'm doing that within everybody. So if I hate the fact that I'm so dishonest, et cetera, if I see somebody else who is dishonest, I'm judging them um, and I separate myself further from them. Whereas if I, and dishonesty is not necessarily like a good thing or like a bad thing or whatever. It is just a thing though. 
Um, so the shadow says the more that we can kind of love and integrate about ourselves, the more we are connected to the collective in general. Because if I can own that and say, you know what, I was dishonest in the past. Let me own that now. Let me integrate that now. Let me integrate that shadow. Let me own it and find a way, you know, back to my truth, you know, whatever that might be. When I look at other people that are coming from a shadow of dishonesty, I don't pass judgment on them anymore because I don't pass judgment on myself, you know? So that's why it's a very, it's a very beautiful, um, vibrant card. And I was really excited to see that that one did appear as opal, uh, opal essence rainbow. Um, because the more of those dimensions you integrate in yourself, the more just love, compassion, and patience you have for other people, and the more you can just be your radiant multidimensional self. So that's the shadow. And um, in general, so like I said, it's very interesting because I would say about, I think I said earlier, it was a year ago, about two years ago, I just had a feeling. like a, And this was um, when I was uh, more in the phase of I just got to come visit my friends. Um, so two years ago, maybe two, two and a half years ago, this was before the pandemic. This was before any of this. This was like usually when I would um, come home for the holidays. I think actually it was, I was coming home for Christmas um, that year. Um, yeah. So yeah, before the pandemic. So I could like visit whomever I wanted. Didn't matter. Um, definitely not like where we are now. And I just had this like weird feeling like I was like, huh? Like I felt like I was like, have I outgrown this place in general? You know, I love, oh, by the way, I loved um, coming to like visit for Christmas. I love visiting my mom. I love visiting my dad. You know, my dad and my stepmother, um, they have like, you know, not pandemic, of course, but like back then they would have like everybody over for Christmas. It was so much fun. And then at my mom's house, I loved like just spending time with like my mom and my sister. Two very different Christmas experiences, but I just, I loved it. But in the back of my head, I was thinking, and this was the, and it was just like a thought that kind of just danced across my mind and I didn't give it any thought though. I was like, is there a part of me that has outgrown certain aspects of my home life? And that was it. I was like, oh no, whatever. And I had a feeling it had to do less so with my family, but with my friends in general. Um, But I didn't think anything of it, you know, because again, I only spent a sliver of time at home and I was like, well, I'm leaving soon anyway, so whatever. Um, But that shadow popped up two and a half, three years ago, two, two and a half, three years ago. Um, And I just didn't pay it any attention. And so that's why dreams can be such a very beautiful, um, honest way of checking out our shadows because I was feeling it again like a couple weeks for like a couple of weeks but I didn't take it very seriously and so I don't know you know maybe a part of me because if I see something in my dream I do I definitely like give it its voice give it its space and I I do take it seriously because I think if anything again the dream is like a very great space to take a look at our unconscious. And that's actually going to be the theme of another dream that I take up, um, that I look at a little bit later. Um, But so yeah, overall, this dream has taught me so much just in terms of our shadow really communicates with us in our dreams. And I think we do get hints. Like I said, I've gotten hints in my waking life, like, 
there's something here that you need to take a look at, but I just never did. And so it caught up with me in my dreams, which I'm very, very thankful for. So now let's get to time. So the next card we have, the next archetype is Kairos. And Kairos is mythic time. It's an initiation card. So the initiation cards, there's eight of them. They are the big energies in the deck. So whenever, you know, an initiation card comes through, I'm paying attention. But also Kairos came in with um, diagonal from it is like the ring. So the ring is kind of close by and the ring is also a card all about time. So this aura is this dream is not only about, you know, shadows and discernment and, you know, um, having channeled discernment and making channeled decisions and making decisions or the judge and the prayer, making decisions from an egoless um, space. It's also a lot about time. And I've talked a little bit about time um, just a tad in this podcast episode already, you know, about how, you know, different people, you know, you go away for a certain time, um, you do your own thing, you live your own life. And then after a certain period of time, you come back and then you spend X amount of time with the people that you knew very well. And then you leave again, you know, and Kairos, the initiation suggests that, you know, time is just not what we think it is. And time is also like timing in general is a guide. So Kairos is a part of the silver family and the silver family is all about protection and guidance from extra dimensional, um, I guess you could say extra dimensional beings. So basically it's, you know, finding guidance in like what people would call like spirit guides or something like that, or just from the spirit world in general. Um, or whatever you would call, um, or we could just say the unknown, the unknown or the unseen, I think would be more of an all encompassing thing, because I know not everybody believes in the spirit world. Not everybody believes in spirit guides. So um, and that's totally fine. That still works, you know, but just the unknown. OK, the unknown is for everybody. However, you characterize or however, you know, the unknown is um, totally up to you. Some people know the unknown as the spirit world. Some people know the unknown as the mystery, as God, as like whatever. Um, but silver implies that there is protection even from the mystery, you know, not from it, but like provided by it. So the mystery provides you protection. The unknown provides you protection. Your spirit guides, the spirit world, um, everything that is unknown to you that is extra dimensional, that provides you protection. And so Kairos is a part of that. So Kairos as mythic time, um, time beyond the clock, divine timing, that guides you in, again, especially with the prayer in ways that you may or may not understand unless you kind of take a step back um, and go to a place that is not centered around you, you know? So in this, uh, you know, we can actually also talk about the ring because they're kind of... They're the same thing, but not really. So the ring implies that, you know, there is a certain timing to everything and things do happen in cycles. And I was reminded of this beautiful quote that I've definitely heard before. Um, I don't know who it comes from, but it's um, the one that um, people are in your life for a reason, a season or a lifetime. And I love that. That encompasses the energy of the ring perfectly. And so I said, um, remember when I said that in the uh, story of the dream, 
that I was sitting with my friends at a circular table. I thought that was very interesting um, because the ring, it's all about circles, yada, yada. Okay. Um, so I, I just, I thought that was very fascinating that we were sitting at a, cir- a large circular table um, of all things, because it could have been a square table. It could have been a heart or a star table. could have been a cloud table, you know, because who knows, you know, with dreams in general. Um, but it was a circular table. Um, so these two together um, give the aura a very strong influence of time, timing in general. And it reminded me that, you know, very, very simply, you know, we are all guided by time. Um, all of our actions, going back to the judge, you know, and the prayer, our channel discernment, that's guided by timing too. And sometimes you'll just feel like, hmm, I think this is done or I think this is over or I think the reason um, the reason has been fulfilled. Like I said, people come into your life for a reason, a season or a lifetime. So um, like my mom, probably my life for a lifetime. She's not just and I'm very I mean, it just depends on your experience because I've met people where like even their parents, um, like maybe they were adopted. And so their parents come back in, you know, for like a reason or a season just not necessarily a lifetime or like their biological parents um, or something like that. My biological parents are with me for like a lifetime. As far as I know so far, you know, because uh, I guess you never know with anything like that. Um, But just to say that there are people out there where maybe their biological parents are in their life for a reason or a season, you know, because our stories, they just vary so much. Um. Anyway, that's just people. That's just the nature of this world. Not everybody is meant to be in your life for a lifetime. And so that's where Kairos divine timing comes in, where we really need to start to pay attention to, or at least this was a message, you know, for me or just, you know, in general. Um, Cause I, like I said, this message is kind of applicable to everyone. You need to start paying attention to, you know, who's meant to be in your life. You know, are they, has that reason been fulfilled yet? is the season over, you know, because I would say like a lot of my, there are friends that I know where I'm just like, I know you're going to be in my life forever. I just, I mean, I know. Um, and Hey, you know what? Even that can change. And that there would be literally nothing wrong with that. But what the ring in particular got me thinking about was, okay, you know, it's time to take stock. It's time to take inventory, you know, who is meant to be, in my life for a re like I've, and I've had that before, you know, um, I think partners are a great example. You know, all of my past partners, they were meant to be in my life, you know, for a reason or a season, definitely not a lifetime because they're not here now, you know? Um, it's very easy to see that with romantic relationships because, um, for at least for monogamous people, you don't have multiple relation romantic relationships at the same time, you know? So, you don't, you don't exactly have to constantly reevaluate, like, uh, does this romantic relationship, is, what's this doing over here? And what is this romantic relationship doing over here? And how are they interacting with each other? And like, what's going on? And, you know, is this a reason? Is this whatever, you know? You don't necessarily have to do that if you're monogamous, you know, with different partnerships, you know? Um, because one when one ends, maybe another one comes in. And but and if you're monogamous and, you know, uh, that one will end and then another will come in and maybe it's a reason, season, lifetime. Who knows? Um, I feel like there's in a, in a certain way. 
we think about that less, you know, depending on, you know, your personal preferences about that with romantic relationships, um, depending on if you can have multiple at a time. But it's a little bit. This dream in particular has been highlight highlighting that with friendships, you know, because and again, it's not to say I don't think uh, friendships or romantic relationships that there should be more or less intention. I believe that all relationships deserve your attention and, you know, a bit of intention too. attention and intention. But sometimes I feel like we that I mean, at least for me, I was lacking a little bit with that in the friendship department. You know, I gave my romantic relationships a lot of attention and I was constantly like, I'll do that. You know, I'll constantly reevaluate what is the intention of this uh, partnership? You know, what is what are we creating together? You know, what are we doing here? You know, there is like that weird emphasis on romantic relationships that we don't necessarily have in the same exact way with friendships. And I think it's time that we started to do that a little bit more um, because friendships are incredibly important, you know, um, in a very similar way. Like I'm thinking of a couple of like my best friends and I'm like, you know, I love them to death, you know, Um you know, I'll love them forever, you know, no matter what they're doing in my life or, you know, whatever's happening. Um, but that is to say that all relationships of all kinds deserve this kind of like reevaluation or not even reevaluation, but the kind of attention where you might be reevaluating them and like in the same way that you would reevaluate and, you know, evaluate the intention and give it the attention and the energy, you know, in the same way you would do that for a romantic relationship, we need to do that with our friendships too, you know, because it's very easy to just be like, oh, my friend here, my friend here, my friend here, my friend here, you know, they're doing whatever, I don't even know. Um, and we just don't give them the same attention. So that's what I was thinking of. Oh, and then when I was looking at all three dreams, um, so the way I interpret dreams I mean, it varies dream to dream, but there are certain times when I know in a dream if a person represents like themselves in a dream or if they represent an aspect of myself or if they represent an energetic of some kind. And then I also pay attention to myself too in the dream because I very rarely have impactful dreams where I'm not there. So I also pay attention to, am I looking at a specific aspect of myself in this dream? Am I representing an energetic? And this dream is a very energetic dream. So everybody at the table, and because there were so many people, um, none of them stuck out. And this is also stuff you have to pay attention to, but nobody at the table stuck out more or less than another person. In fact, just the collective. You know, the collective of the people at the table and the table stuck out to me. And that's the energetic of uh, the ring. So the ring represents everybody else in the dream. That's not me. You know, paying attention to the different people at the table, like who is here for a reason? Who is here for a season? And who is here for a lifetime? Because I believe if I'm like remembering correctly, a lot of them were my childhood friends. There was one person, I recognized her voice, and I it was a friend of a friend, um, more of like an acquaintance that I would recognize possibly if I passed in the street. One of them was my partner. 
And it was interesting because he looked uncomfortable too um, at the table a little bit. And there's like a little bit of a message there. Um, but there were certain people that were comfortable at the table and then certain people that just weren't. Um, and so the people in the dream in general reflect the message of the ring that says who's here, you know, and it's not just, and I know this dream is a lot about growth and outgrowing. It's not to say everybody at the table I've outgrown again, because this is the energy of the ring within this situation. It's more of like, I never asked myself who it, who at this table that I'm seeing is here for a reason who at this table here is here for a season of my life and who at this table is here for a lifetime, you know? So the ring representing the people at the table just gets me to kind of start asking those questions of who's here for what amount of time. And Kairos allow is just guiding me to kind of know, you know, who's here for what, you know? And then the judge and the prayer allow me to make those channel decisions of, okay, well, what do I do next? And so there's, um, so yeah, in every dream I'm taking a look at, okay, because usually what happens is there's usually, I would say most of the time, one other person that's like the main character of the dream. That's not me, you know? So it's usually a one-on-one, you know, me and another person. This is a kind of like a rare circumstance where it's me and a bunch of other people. I want to say it felt like there were eight to 10 people total at this table, Um, so usually it's just me and another person. So in this case, my role in the dream is reflected or represented by the womb. And I love the womb. It's a beautiful card. And the womb represents, it's like our birth story. So I love the womb because the womb is one of those archetypes where it asks you to ask the question, where do I come from? And I love that question. And the womb appears as yellow in the aura because that's where we get our power from. It's like, where do you come from? So for me, um, and I like to ask this question like a bunch of times to really get to the root of like, where do you actually believe that you come from? So um, if I ask, where do I come from? I could say my hometown. And then if I ask again, I could say, well, I don't really come from this hometown, do I? I was born in Los Angeles, California. That's where I come from, okay? But that doesn't feel right to me, so I don't stop there um, because I don't feel like I belong to uh, Los Angeles, you know? Um, That doesn't feel like my home or anything like that. That doesn't feel like that's where my story began. So what could I also say? Okay, so if I didn't come from Los Angeles because that's my birthplace, then where did I come from? I could say I came from my parents, you know? That, by the way, that would be a perfectly acceptable answer, you know, because I did come through um, my mother. You know, I could say I came from my mom, except for me. I believe in the soul. I believe in the spirit. I believe in spirit babies. I believe in all that. So for me, the answer of where do I come from with respect to the womb is I come from God and that's it. You know, um, I come from source. I come from God. I come from creation. I come from unconditional love. That's where I come from. And again, it doesn't matter how you answer the question, but it it matters where, not not where, um, it doesn't matter how you answer the question. It just matters that you answer the question in the first place. So it doesn't matter what your answer is. It just matters that you're asking. And here's why. So, you know, I'm sitting at this table and 
a part of, and I could say easily, because usually when people ask, oh, where do you come from? I would answer my hometown. You know, that's like a very natural, like third dimensional answer. I'd be like, I come from blah, blah, blah in Connecticut. You know, um, my hometown is in Connecticut. It's a small town in Connecticut. You know, that's where I come from. And the womb in this instance is to remind me that that's actually not what I believe whatsoever. I do believe that, you know, I, along with everybody else, you know, comes from God, you know, and that's where our, that's our true birthplace is we all come from God first, you know, and then we're channeled, you know, through our parents. And then we wind up like in our birth town and then maybe we move to our hometown or maybe our birth town and our hometown are in the same place. Um, doesn't matter though, because I believe we come from God first. And again, you can do whatever you need to, but paying attention to what your answer is, um, tells a lot about like where your power comes from because yellow is all about power. It's all about confidence, you know? And so some people genuinely feel like they come from their parents and I've met those people before and they're wonderful. You know, we're all wonderful no matter what we think are, you know, where it is that we come from, but they find a lot of home. They find the sense of home confidence and power, you know, by being at home with their parents, because that's, or like whenever they're like connected to like their family, you know, they find that sense of confidence, power, like I can take on the world when they're with their family, because that's where they come from. Whereas that's not where I believe that I come from, you know? And so the womb in conjunction with the ring brought this powerful medicine of reminding me that I don't come from this town. I don't come from necessarily these uh, these people. That sounded so harsh. Um, my friends that I've uh, made, you know, over the years, I don't come from them either. I don't. And so it's not only where do you come from, but it's like a remembering and a homecoming to where do you or who or where do you really belong to? And so for me, at the end of the day, I belong to God. I don't belong to my hometown. I don't belong to this um, group of friends. And so why that was really, really important for me to understand through this dream was to remember that if there are certain people here, you know, for a reason, a season, and not necessarily a lifetime, my identity, my power, my confidence, you know, my sense of self, it does not change because I do not belong to them. I do not belong to my friends. I do not belong to my hometown. And some people do find a lot of, um, yellow is a lot about sense of self. It is a lot about identity. It's a lot about knowing yourself, loving yourself, expressing yourself from an authentic place and from a place of empowerment. That's a lot of yellow. You know, yellow is a lot of just knowing yourself. And so when I think of really knowing myself, I think of knowing it. For me, it's knowing the God, the unconditional love, the creation with my, within myself. That's who I belong to. So for me, my world doesn't fall apart if certain people are here for a reason or a season and their reason or a season is over for whatever reason, you know, it's, and it's all good. You know, that changes nothing for me. And that's what the womb, it was really, really important for me to just understand that because me in the dream, I was, uh, in a weird way, not in a weird way. What am I talking about? Um, in a way, reflecting the energy of the womb, like, wow, just looking at everybody at the table. There's nothing wrong with everybody at the table. You know, everybody here is wonderful. Um, they're my friends, like, for a reason, right? Um, but I do feel uncomfortable. You know, I just, I don't feel quite at home. So in the dream, I was already questioning, 
I don't feel right here. I don't feel at home here, you know, and certain things like kind of just need to shift a little bit. So I thought that was very, very interesting to see the womb and the ring come together because I've never those are cards, by the way, or archetypes I don't see very often. Um, there are certain ones that come through a lot, like the prayer comes through quite a bit. Um, what other one has been coming through a lot lately? The Kairos will come through. Um, the judge has been coming through like nobody's business a lot lately, but the ring especially, I never see it. And so I really, really needed that reminder that again, my sense of self, my power, my confidence does not collapse if, you know, certain people, you know, need to come in or move out of my life. Like if um, certain people and if my relate, so basically in a nutshell, if my relationships change, if my relationships with people that have been in my life for over a decade, um, some people two decades, you know, um, yeah, no more than two decades because I'm just not that old um, or yeah, but <laughs> Um, if there are certain people that have been in my life for, let's just say on average over a decade that, you know, need to leave and Hey, maybe they come back, you know, you just, you never know. Um, if those relationships change, if we outgrow one another, I'm going to be okay because I don't, my sense of self, my identity is not based on the people around me. It's based on the God within me. And that's what the room womb reminds me of where my sense of self, where my identity, that's where my power comes from is knowing that I'm not based on, my identity is not based on my external relationships. And here's the thing. I think there is a lot of power in the message that most of the people at the table had been in my life for at least a decade. Um, most of them. And that's because I think that it's a lot it would be very uh, strange to say that, um, not strange, you, you never know. You don't know anybody's life, so that's not fair. Um, I don't usually look at people I've known for like a year and say um, that my sense of self has anything to do with them. And again, the womb was a reminder that my sense of self, my identity has nothing to do with anybody, you know? Um, because again, if, um, and this is, again, where it gets very fascinating to see like how people interact with the archetype of the womb. But depending on, again, where it is that you believe that you came from, that's where kind of your identity is wrapped in. So um, for people that think, and it's very common to think like I came from my parents because literally, you know, I was in, uh, in my mother's womb for like nine months or whatever it was, Um you know, but it just, it just so happens for me that like, I believe that you have, you know, a soul, a spirit that is independent of like your parents, you know? Um, what was I going to say though? But yeah, so my identity is not wrapped in with any person. So if that person goes away, it doesn't change anything about that for me. Um, so yes, that is the woman, the ring relationships can come and go, um, relationships can change, you know, you can grow, you can outgrow certain ones, they can outgrow you. Because again, it's not just about me, it's about, you know, what everybody needs, you know, on a, within friendships, within romantic relationships, familial relationships, all of that can shift, move and change. And my sense of self does not, is not dependent on any relationship ever. Okay. So now moving on. 
um, to the mother, actually. So there's a lot of mother energy in here, which I uh, really appreciate because there's the mother and then there is the womb. Both of them are very interesting mother energies, but the mother is a little bit different. So the womb asks um, you to consider your birth story. You know, who is it that you belong to? Where is it that you come from, um, et cetera? The mother is also a part of the yellow family. Actually, I come to think of it, the queen is too, but not the, okay. I was just like, huh, is all the feminine energy in the yellow family? It's not, um, but the mother is also a part of the yellow family and the mother is the great space holder. She, or not she, well, oh, whatever. Um, the divine feminine, the archetypes are genderless. They're for everybody. My bad. Um, the mother is the great space holder. The mother is the great channel, you know? So the reason I always know, you know, they are genderless is because I have the mother, I have the father, I have uh, the queen, the king, all of them, you know, um, within me. They're not gender specific. It's not like I can't embody the father just because um, the father is typically male in like at least like American culture or whatever. Um, I digress. Uh, yeah, the mother is the great channel, um, the great space holder. Um, the mother is it, within the world of the archetypes and linear story. That is where our journey begins, you know, as we are channeled literally or the way I understand it is we are channeled from God through our mothers into physicality. That's why I always say that the mother is literally the ultimate channel. And so I always pay attention to what the mother is in a pair with, because usually that's like a message for this is what you can hold space for. And that is the mountain. So the mountain has to do with, um, it's like the ascent. It's, you know, kind of climbing up and like, it is kind of like growth in a way because you start at a bottom of a mountain and then, you know, ultimately at some point you reach the peak of the mountain. So you're kind of, you're, um, up leveling, you're moving, you're growing or, um, you know, something like that. And what the mother, um, brings to this pair is just holding space for literally wherever you are, because the mountain is a little bit about, or it is a lot about, you know, staying present with wherever you are. Um, I guess you could say like on your journey or on your hike, you know, your grand hike up the mountain, you know, it's, with the mountain, it is great to look. It's it's great because we don't do this very often. Um, to look down, I'm terrified of heights, so I would never do that. But like, if you're not, then look down. You know, at the past. You know, to see wow and just appreciate how much um, effort and how much energy took. You know, for you, it took for you to get here. You know. And then the mountain, yeah. Um, or so if you're on the mountain, you know, you're kind of somewhere in the middle Um, because you're not at the peak yet and you're looking down, you're appreciating, oh, wow, I've come so far. That's amazing. And then you can also look up and say, you know what? I have so far to go and I have so much to learn and I have so much growth, you know, within me and so much potential. And who knows, you know, what I'm going to see as I move, you know, closer to the peak of the mountain. That's great too. You know, it's present. It's appreciating exactly where you are. And so that's the mother too, or the mother and the mountain together has a lot to do with presence, holding space and being like, this is where I am right now. And that's all that's going to change, you know? So with respect to everything else, you know, um, the shadows, 
um, considering timing, timing of the people and the relationships that you have within your life, you know, um, wherever you are, you know, whatever it is that you're doing, whatever it is that you need, just appreciating exactly where you are and staying present with that. That's the mother and the mountain. And next we have the mask. So the mat, oh, by the way, the mountain is silver. So it's a very uh, movement oriented card. But again, what did I say about like Kairos and silver? Silver is being guided and protected by the unknown because you don't know. I mean, you already know what happened in your past. You don't know what's going to happen like in the future, you know, um, as you continue to move up the mountain. Um, so that's just like a quick note there. The mask is the only card that appears as gray and gray has a lot. Gray is very much tied into opal. They're kind of like opposites in a way. Um, but it has a lot to do with potential and also different aspects of yourself. So the mask always comes through when, you know, there's, I love the mask because what it does is it says, you know, you've been conducting yourself in a certain way for a certain amount of time. Um, but there are so many aspects of yourself that you can give a voice to. And so that's what the mask is um, saying. So I always also pay attention to, you know, what is the mask in pair with um, or yeah, what is it in a pair with within the aura? Because it's usually saying that's what you need to like give attention and give a space to. And that just so happens to be the king. So again, the mask is all about paying attention to, you know, which archetypes, what energies, what colors do you not typically give space to express or what you, what do you not usually give a voice to? And for me, that is the king, you know, I'm not too, you know, in my own personal life, the king comes through less, you know, um, but the king is all about divine leadership. It's all about healing. It's about balance and peace um, within ourselves. So kind of think of it, uh, actually the mountain might be like a good example. So imagine if you could see your entire life, you know, from beginning to end. Imagine having that great perspective um, and your entire life, does contain every single aspect of the um, the human, like this full spectrum of the human experience. The king serves, or the king understands the world from that grand perspective. And so, the king in this um, in this context, it's kind of echoing the message of the ring a little bit in saying, "Take a look at everything," and. Again, don't know what's going to happen in the future, but it's kind of like that energy of taking a look at your life as a whole, you know? So it's kind of like saying, you know, take a look, you know, at everything that's happening, everything that has happened, um, you know, and everything, any, any and every dimension that you can include in this large picture, you know, take a look and, you know, have some discernment. So bringing back in the judge because the king and the judge are both a part of the magenta family and magenta. It's all about unconditional love. It's all about love source, um, et cetera. Um, I love magenta. It's a very mystical color. Um, but yes, so the king invites, especially within this, the context of this dream and this overall story, it's kind of like a get your affairs in order, 
you know, take a look at everything that's going on. Take a look at and realize that you have, I guess, you know, the power to just like, like being, um, I said, the king is a lot about like divine leadership, being the leader in your own life, you know, taking inventory of everything, you know, and doing what you can to, again, bring balance, peace and healing in every single space of your life, you know? That's what the king is meant to do, you know, and especially from a channeled place. All right. And finally, we have the eternal child and the offering. So the eternal child is orange. It's a very um, and the orange family is all about creation, co-creation and creativity. It, it's like the creative color. Um, And what I'm getting from here. Because the eternal child is also the inner child. And I think it's very interesting that the inner child pops into a dream that does have a lot to do just in general with like childhood, you know? And all I'm receiving from like the inner child right now is, you know, I think that they're like the shadowy aspect of the inner child or that's coming through, you know, with respect to this dream in general is that, you know, you can't, there's so many ways to create from your inner child, but you don't want to do it in an unconscious way, you know? So maybe that's like a little bit of the influence of the shadow because like our inner children, um, you know, especially just in, you know, tied into, you know, childhood and, you know, being in like your hometown and everything, you know, the shadow is kind of just creating from what you know already, what you know and what's comfortable. Um, and there are ways. And so the inner child has like infinite creativity, you know, um, it is a part of the orange family after all. But there is a way to harness, you know, the power of the inner child to create growth and to create new experiences, but you can also easily fall into like old habits. So I feel like that's just like something to watch there, um, especially with the offering, because the offering has to do a lot with, you know, um, it's a part of the blue family and blue has a lot to do with your truth. And in general, what is it like to offer, you know, your full self, you know, your full multidimensional radiant self from a place of truth, you know? Because the inner child, it is a lot, it reflects a lot about like who we really are, you know? Um, like when I was a child, I loved writing, you know? Um, so that explains a lot about why I journal so much, why I blog so much, etc. cetera. Um, and so the inner child is kind of in a way, especially in paired with um, blue and the offering, um, reflects a lot about like who we really are. Um oh, you know what? Maybe that's what it is. You know, because I was like, huh, how do I like discern between the two? Um, there's a part of our inner child that really reflects and captures our soul and our spirit. You know, that's a part of me that like loves like writing so much. Um, but there's the also this, um, I feel like that's like the light side of the inner child in this context. And then the darker or the shadow side of the inner child is like the third dimensional side of just like old habits, old programming, you know, um, especially since the shadow is in this aura. Um, yeah, there is that part of the inner child that is just old habits, old programming, um, unconscious, you know, 
unconscious creation just because it is a part of the old uh, orange family. So that's like something to watch out for too, you know, um, in general is that yes, our inner child is very spirited. You know, if you're looking at the part of it that is connected to our soul, that is connected to our spirit, you know, it's great to create from that space, from a space of authenticity. Um, but we don't want to create from a space of old habits and unconscious patterns because that also lies within the inner child archetype. It's a, all these archetypes are huge. You know, the inner child holds space for that part of us um, that enables us to connect to our soul and our spirit and really create from that authentic space. And it also contains, you know, our unconscious patterns um, and unconscious like old habits. So that's very interesting. Um, and balancing that out um, with the offering, you know, offering our full spirit, offering our full soul and not you know, restricting ourselves by just keeping and like acting from a place of just unconsciousness and unconscious old habits. So that is the end of the dream. Um, yeah, I feel like it, ha it has a very, very clear cut message in general. Um, the prayer and the judge channeled discernment, you know, remembering that you're you're not the center, quite literally just not the center of the universe. You know, um, it's not just about what's in your highest and best. It's about what's in everyone's highest and best. And, you know, learned a lot about how dreams in general can teach us a lot about our shadows and unconscious behavior. Um, because again, Kairos and the ring, you know, calling into question, you know, to reevaluate who's here for a reason, a season, a lifetime, and just putting some more attention, intention, and energy into taking a closer look at those relationships and the womb, remembering that you're not, or for me at least, you're not created by these relationships. They do not define you. If certain ones leave or come in, your sense of identity and power does not change. The mother in the mountain, wherever you are, whatever it is that you need, hold space for that. The mask and the king, bringing out the energy, bringing the energy of the king into play, you know, just to, you know, again, kind of be a little bit discerning, but taking charge, taking charge of your own healing, your own balance, your own peace by looking at every single aspect of your life. And, you know, at the end of everything, you know, releasing whatever needs to be released, you know, welcoming in new energies, releasing old ones to making, to make sure that you're not to make sure that you're creating from an authentic space and offering your full self, your full spirit, and you're not creating from an unconscious space, which would reflect the energy of the shadow. Okay, perfect. So what I'm going to do now is we are going to close the episode the same way that we opened it. I'm going to take a couple of deep breaths. I'd like to say thank you to my spirit family for guiding the exploration of the dream, and then we will close. All right. Wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing space today. Um, I had a lot of fun taking a look at this dream. And there are two more dreams that also have to do with growth um, and unconscious behavior in general that I'm excited to take a look at. But until then, uh, I will see you next time. 